At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. In America, someone has a heart attack every 40 seconds. But what if that someone is somebody close to you? Are you prepared to jump to their rescue? Tools such as AEDs and CPR are out there for us to save lives, but sadly, not many of us know how to put them to use. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco, a preventive cardiologist and a leader at Baptist Health South Florida. Here to help us explore this life-saving subject is Dr. Eli Friedman. Eli is a member of the Baptist Health family, and he serves as the Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute's Medical Director of Sports Cardiology. Welcome back to the podcast, Eli. Jordan, as always, fun and a pleasure to be with you today. Thanks for having me back. So, Eli, let's talk about a couple of components uh, regarding CPR, AEDs, and, and general risk in the community. Um, let's talk about heart events that require intervention. So when we're talking about people in the community having a cardiac event, of which we'll then talk about how we could potentially save lives, what are those more common events that, uh, that occur? Yeah, so I, you know, I, I, I am a general non-invasive cardiologist who practices in the world of sports. So I always kind of refer to myself as a general contractor because I think that that kind of helps to, to put the heart and what it is and what it does into perspective. So the heart's like a house. It has a structure. It's got plumbing and it's got electricity. And any of those three things can cause acute events or, or emergencies or anything such as that at a moment's notice. So there can be an acute structural problem with the heart that there's a valve issue or a heart muscle is leading to an issue. There, there can be an electrical problem or an arrhythmia, or there can be a plumbing problem where one of the heart's arteries has an issue. And so those are the things, those three categories are the things in which the, the heart can have problems. And those are the things that we need to be ready to respond to, diagnose and treat. So I think obviously people are aware they can develop a condition relatively suddenly at home. It'd be great to have some of this knowledge and resources available, which we can talk about. But, you know, most commonly someone will call fire rescue 911. They come to the house and bring them to the hospital, take care of them. And then we know at hospitals and facilities, takes it can happen. Where are the more common public areas where we might see this occur? I presume it's where people more congregate. But, you know, where where from our, our, our experience and our uh, medical organizational data do we see this more commonly occur? Yeah, so we're, I think we're, I know we're talking about cardiac arrest today, or we will. So we're aware yeah. of these events yeah. at airports and grocery stores and shopping malls. We, we see defibrillators there, AEDs. Um, but most often these things are happening at home. So the home is the public space, although it's private because it's one's home. But that's the area outside of the four walls of the hospital where we're most likely to see events. So we'll, again, I, we'll get into a little bit of the, the uh, medical detail. Is your advocacy towards just uh, everyone or as many people as possible should know CPR because as you just articulated, the events are more likely to occur at home and a family member could be uh, able to save someone's life. Um, is, it, is it exclusive of larger events or is it just where anywhere a person may be, the more people that are aware of these uh, or have these type of tools can be beneficial? Yeah, I, I, I think before we even touch on CPR in that regard, I, I think more people need to be aware of warning signs and, and things that can be concerning. So we talk about stroke and act fast. We talk about heart attacks and, and myocardial infarction, knowing the signs and symptoms as the process is beginning so we can react closest and soonest to that and begin the triage and the treatment. So yes, without a doubt, I think the more people have education and awareness of these events, then hopefully we can prevent the cardiac arrest from happening. But if it does happen, because inevitably it will, then understanding what cardiac arrest looks like, how to respond to it, and then treat it 
are imperative because moments, seconds, minutes count. And the sooner you're able to respond to an event, the better the chance of the outcome at, at the end, whether it is cardiac arrest, a stroke, a myocardial infarction, or heart attack, the sooner you get to something and get the appropriate treatment, the better off the prognosis is at the end of the day. So we, you know, we use a lot of terms that as cardiologists, cardiovascular specialists, we just inherently assume people know. Um, before we get into some of the details we're going to CPR and EADs, which I think is the most uh, important educational component uh, within your uh, specialty and passion as well as the podcast, define that a little bit. What is a cardiac arrest? Arrest? How does it relate to a heart attack? How is it different? Um, just let's just elaborate on those terms. So let me touch on the first point. A, a heart attack does not equate to a cardiac arrest. And we see this in, in the media often that somebody had a heart attack and they passed away. And, and that, that's a really important point to make because a heart attack or a myocardial infarction to people like you and me means that there is a blood vessel within the heart. One of the heart's arteries has a blockage within it, and that leads to poor flow to the heart muscle. Now, that can lead to dangerous heart rhythms, which can then cause cardiac arrest, but a heart attack is not synonymous with cardiac arrest. Cardiac arrest is a medical emergency, as is a heart attack, but a cardiac arrest is a medical emergency in which the heart either stops beating entirely, has electrical activity that is not useful for the heart, or has very dangerous electrical activity that needs immediate defibrillation or shock in order to help it meet the demands of the body. Now, as I said, a heart attack can cause cardiac arrest, but there are multiple other things which can cause cardiac arrest as well, like structural problems with the heart, uh, aortic aneurysms, pulmonary emboli, uh, acute brain bleeds, electrolyte problems, um, lung issues. So there are multiple other things that can cause cardiac arrest in addition to organic heart disease. So the, the heart attack, again, I, I can't hammer this point home enough, is not synonymous with cardiac arrest. And th this becomes important as well when patients come into our office and they tell us their family history and they tell us that their cousin or their father or whomever, one of their close family members, had a heart attack. I, I think we as physicians really need to push back on that and ask, well, how do you know it was a heart attack? Was an autopsy done? Are there other people who have died suddenly? And, and really kind of get into the weeds of that because those details really do matter when we're thinking about our own individual health. I think that's well said. I think for conventional for conventional purposes, you know, when the person in the movies or in real life, they clutch their chest, they get sweaty, and they say, I can't breathe, you know, that, that would be a sign of a heart attack. And obviously you call 911. And one of the reasons to call 911 is it could quickly deteriorate into cardiac arrest which is the sudden loss of consciousness. And the only thing that will bring someone back from a cardiac arrest would be quick action, which we're going to talk about right now. So let's talk about why is CPR so important? When, when is CPR needed and why is it so important um, in a patient who's having a cardiac arrest? So, yeah, but in talking about CPR, I think we first need to understand how do you recognize somebody who might need CPR. So sure. the, sure. the obvious one and the easy one is that if you respond to somebody who is either on the ground or unconscious or unresponsive and you check for a pulse and you do not feel one, then CPR should be commenced or started immediately. Um, but cardiac arrest can look funny sometimes. So it, it can be somebody who collapses for no good reason. Again, somebody who's on the floor or slumped over, completely unconscious and unresponsive. It can be somebody who has what we call agonal respirations, which are deep, uh, very throaty, and, and they sound like it sounds like somebody is breathing when in fact they are not. 
believe it or not, seizures can be cardiac arrest as well. And why is a seizure cardiac arrest? Well, it's because the heart is not getting blood flow to the brain. And if the brain is upset or is not getting the appropriate blood flow, it can manifest with seizures. So in somebody who is having a seizure, in my mind, I'm always wondering, is this cardiac arrest and we respond appropriately? So um, if those things are recognized and responded to appropriately and, and you are concerned that it could be cardiac arrest, starting CPR is the number one and most important thing you can do in addition to calling 911 and getting a defibrillator at the same time if there is one available and accessible to you. And, and you know, we, we may touch on this more, but I think that there's a lot of barriers that stop somebody from beginning CPR and, and starting this process. The, the truth is, and is just starting the compressions in the lower center of the chest to the beat of staying alive or another one bites the dust. If people are familiar with those songs mm -hmm. or at a rate of a hundred to 120 compressions per minute, mouth to mouth is not required. And, and doing that until help arrives is the best and most important thing somebody can do and placing a defibrillator pad on, on the person who's unresponsive as well, because that defibrillator, that, that AED will shock the heart and restore the normal rhythm. And, and the sooner that is applied and the sooner that is done, again, higher chances of survival moving forward. So the, there's a lot there. We may want to kind of spread some of that out a bit, but sure, those sure. are the most important things somebody can do. So going back to the CPR, I mean, like you said, you can go watch a YouTube video and, and learn. Let me phrase that. Not great CPR is better than no CPR. So even people, if on their own, want to kind of learn how to do some basic CPR while other people get help is worthwhile. What is available to folks if they want to learn CPR? Are there organizations that do it? Are there uh, you know, companies? What, what, what is the average person able to uh, get CPR training if they, if they wanted to? Yeah, so uh, this speaks to the barriers. There's a lot of barriers that would prevent somebody from doing CPR learning it. And, and you're 100% right. Bad CPR is better than no CPR, especially if somebody is in cardiac arrest. Because just doing something is better than nothing. And people are concerned that are they going to be sued if they do it incorrectly? Um, the, the answer to that is no, because there are good Samaritan laws that protect people. Who Re repeat that, I think. That's really important. That is a yeah. pushback people get. Just restate 100%. You, you respond and you do your best. You are not liable. There's no way you can be sued because there are good Samaritan laws that protect you. So it, it is very important that if you are concerned about that, to not be and just go and get, get moving on that. So to your question, yes, there's multiple different resources out there, whether it's just simply going on YouTube and looking at a video and research, research has suggested that people just watching a video are more likely to respond and perform CPR. There are companies and certification methods out there where you can take a course and become certified in hands-only CPR and AED use, which will also get you certified for choking and the variances that take place between infants and toddlers. Uh, neonates and, and adults, there are some differences there that, that come along with it. So there are multiple different resources that are available. All one has to do is just search them out and, and they will become readily available. Um, now let's talk about AEDs a little bit. Um, describe what they are a little bit. And uh, similarly, do you need to be trained such that if there's an AED available, you've never touched one before, what, you know, what, what can people, how can people take advantage of an AED presence? So what is an AED? How does it work? How do you walk, walk through what people would experience if they were going to use an AED for someone who has, is having a cardiac arrest? An AED is, it stands for automated external defibrillator. This is something that will shock the heart if it is able to, if the heart is in a dangerous rhythm, which is causing cardiac arrest. Um, you see them in airports, you see them in shopping malls, you see them in, in places where people congregate. They're usually on a box, on a wall, they're accessible, they may have a heart on top of it, and it will say AED. 
the the truth is that one does not require training in order to use it. It helps because you'll have some familiarity with it. And of course, practice makes perfect. But if you get, if somebody is in cardiac arrest and you get an AED, the device will tell you exactly what to do. It will show you where to put these pads, how to place them. It It'll say just that, what put to do pad on here time. with a picture, right? It, it, it's, it's, exactly. not even, it's talking it to you as it's showing you. A hundred percent. It will be as if an instructor is there with you. It will say, take clothes off the patient, place pads where directed, continue CPR. And then it will actually tell you to stop CPR and the device will analyze the person who's in cardiac arrest's rhythm. And it will tell you whether or not that it is going to shock the person. And, and this has come up in some of the trainings we've done, actually, where people are afraid to even touch the device because they think it's going to shock them. That is not the case. It will absolutely not shock you. It will tell you before it's going to shock somebody. It will say shock advised. Please do not touch the patient. Everyone clear. Please move away from the patient. It will shock. And then it will tell you to begin CPR once again. So these things are fully, it, as I said, they, it is like an instructor is there with you. They are foolproof. They will help you. Again, having training and practice with it only helps because practice makes perfect. But if somebody is in cardiac arrest or somebody is unresponsive, get that AED, call 911, place the pads on the person and start the CPR and the AED will take care of the rest for you. So I think, you know, again, the, the take home points is recognize when someone might be is having a cardiac arrest. Obviously, call fire rescue, call 911, whatever help is around. If you're alone, maybe even do that you know, first, but start CPR with whatever level of understanding you have. If there's an AED present grab that and use that um, as well. So these are the tools that would be available uh, to individuals. Um, AEDs, I'm mean, going to phrase this a different way. You're very passionate about AEDs and community CPR, and you know, you've been out there and, and educating treatment and, and, and getting support and having you know, philanthropic support for AEDs. What, what led you personally to be so passionate about this? So why is that something that, and again, it's an incredible asset to our community, but what's your personal experience or your trajectory that led you to be so passionate about this? Yeah, you know, there. Uh, as you said, I, I have the privilege of taking care of athletes and people who want to be athletic and, and maintain their health through sport and, and being vigorously active, which is the most important thing any of us can do. And quite honestly, it's safe for all of us. But occasionally, despite our best efforts, bad things happen. So I was involved with uh, a marathon when I was in my training. And about 200 meters or so before the finish line, a young man collapsed and died. And he did did so right in front of medics, actually, had prompt recognition, prompt CPR, AED. In fact, where he collapsed was right in front of the hospital as well. And despite all those efforts, he unfortunately passed away. Now, he was born with a genetic predisposition to this. And unfortunately, that's what ultimately took his life. And as I dove into that problem, which ultimately led me to what I do now with sports cardiology, I discovered that despite our best efforts, we scream, we do ECGs, we do echocardiograms on, on lots of people. But despite those efforts, bad things still happen, even in athletes. And it's been an interesting year and a half, two years in the world of professional sport because we've seen several high profile athletes have cardiac arrest on very public settings. And a lot of people are really concerned with the why on that. And I understand why that is because everyone wants to know how a seemingly elite athlete and very healthy person can suddenly have their heart stop in the middle of what they're doing. But the truth is that the number one cause of why something like that, that happens is called sudden unexplained death, which means that the autopsy was negative, that on the electrocardiogram, everything was normal, but you know, things still happen. And so the ultimate insurance plan that any of us have, whether or not we're an athlete or we're just at home with our family, is knowing how to recognize cardiac arrest, knowing how to respond to it, and knowing how to treat it. It, it sounds simple because it is. 
recognition, prompt response with an AED and uh, CPR, and then the treatment with those devices will help you to save lives. And again, minutes and seconds matter here because if somebody is in CPR and if it's somebody is in cardiac arrest, pardon me, you respond abruptly with these therapies that we've talked about. If you're able to do that within two minutes or three, the chances of survival are incredibly different than if you wait a significant amount of time. So simply by education and getting the word out there, training people how to do this, we can save lives. And, and there are significant disparities in this. We know in certain ethnic communities that the response levels are much less than they would be otherwise. But conversely to that, we know that if we train people, the response rate is much, much higher. And, and I think that, again, the barrier to performing CPR and using AEDs is very high. We've made it difficult in some ways with very long classes and, and very long and, and arduous processes, where, as we said, just watching a video, just learning about it, 20, 30 minutes, we can have somebody trained up in this and, and using it, doing it, and, and that makes them more comfortable and ready to respond should the event happen. So I don't think it's mutual to sport. I, I think it, it should take place everywhere. But again, in, in the world of sport, we're very passionate about it too. And I think, as again, we're, we're both advocating CPR training or some basic knowledge, which which can be self-taught or, again, with a video versus some long, complex class that might be expensive in hours. Um, everyone should either recommend in their workplace or, or where they may be spending the time that they get an AED. Everyone should know if there's an AED available wherever they are, and we always do that, I, I always, whenever I walk into a movie theater, I always want to know where's the AED, or you know, certainly in airports you see them and stuff, and that should be something that could become a habit. You never know. Um, you, yeah, you well, John, if I could just, you know, do an Please. aside really, there really quickly. A lot of people may have heard of this thing recently called an emergency action plan. So, um, you know, if you, we, we live in a different world now than, than we did before. These emergency action plans exist that if something really bad happens, what are we going to do about it? So your places of worship, your, your places of congregation, one of the features of that emergency action plan should be if there is a cardiac arrest here, how are we going to respond to it? We talk about this all the time in sport and with the professional teams, we are practicing this every single year, sometimes twice per year. But if you are at your church, at your synagogue, at your mosque, if you are at a place where people congregate, these are questions you might want to ask. And you might want to say, do we have an AED? Is it always accessible? Who's trained in CPR? Can we get everybody trained up in this? Again, you're more likely to do these things at home than you are there. But having the ability to respond and recognize things will undoubtedly save lives. Um, last question I have before um, <clears throat> you know letting you have any final comments. Um, it, Tell me a little bit what you've seen, both in terms of your own accomplishments, or I know you're very humble, so things you've seen around you that have, may have improved in our community, in our area in South Florida. And and perhaps the tougher question is, what do you still see as remaining gaps? Yeah, I, I, um, I, I, I'll take the first, the, the second part first, because I think that the gaps are way more important. So I'm going to stick to what I know best, which is sports and, and cardiac health. And, and that is that there are multiple opportunities to continue to improve our ability to keep our, our young athletes and, and our professional athletes safe. The, the professional athletes, we do a good job. We have resources. We practice these things. We, we go through multiple rounds of screening. But as I, as I said before, the number one reason why these things happen are sudden and unexplained. So I, I think we just need to continue to hammer home on that side that these things will happen and be ready. And I think we do a good job there. But if you go down in, in the world of sports and, and look at coaching in, in those aspects, less than 50% are trained in how to recognize or respond to cardiac arrest if it happens. 
Um, so I think there are multiple opportunities for us to continue to get health and safety education into our communities and, and being able to recognize, respond and treat cardiac arrest when it happens, because it does and it will. There's no doubt about it. So we, we have to be ready for that. Um, you, you talk about my accomplishments, but really it's the accomplishments of the system. It takes a village to do these things. I think Baptist has put a bunch of resources now behind this need. We've gone into the schools in Miami-Dade Miami-Dade County. We're working with various leagues and organizations to help bring awareness to this and help bring the training to people to meet them where they are. Because I think the more we are, we make ourselves accessible to other people as opposed to making themselves accessible to us, we're going to do better. So I think we need to meet people where we are and continue the process of hammering home these, these life-saving techniques. Well, I think, uh, again, you've summed all, it all up, so I don't think I'm even going to give you an opportunity for any <laughs> final comments because I think you, you, already, you already hit them. But uh, I certainly think our listeners can, can understand why I led my introduction uh, to you about you regarding your, your passion for this uh, topic uh, to support the community um, and, and our patients. So, uh, again, Eli, thanks a lot. Keep up the good work. A lot of work still to do. But, um, um, you know, thanks for all you've uh, accomplished so far <clears throat> in educating and supporting uh, our community for CPR and AED. Um, to our listeners, if you like what you heard about this or any other our other podcasts, um, please sure to tell a friend or a family. That's the only way to get podcast audiences to grow. If you have a comment or a suggestion for a future topic, please email us at Baptist Health Talk at BaptistHealth.net. That's Baptist Health Talk at BaptistHealth.net. We'd love to hear from you and thanks for listening. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at BaptistHealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.